in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 44. Psalm 44, verse 1, hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, Maskil. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand, and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people, and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand, and thine arm, and the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God, command deliverances for Jacob." Through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long, and praise thy name forever. Salah. But thou hast cast off, and put us to shame, and goest not forth with our armies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy, and they which hate us spoil for themselves. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat, and hast scattered us among the nation, among the heathen. Thou sellest thy people for nothing, or for naught. And dost not increase thy wealth by their price. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger. All this is come upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons, and covered us with the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Yea, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help, 
and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. So I have divided this psalm into three sections. Verses 1 through 8, pretty obvious selection, it ends with the word Selah. And then verses 9 through 16, and then 17 through 26. One of the things that I will do before we start uh, in the psalm itself is recognize that much of this is similar to what we heard earlier in 42 and 43. There's a similar thesis that runs through. There is, um, there is a statement at the beginning that is not found in Psalm 42, and that is the historical victory that God had brought for his people. But then in the second and third sections, we have something very similar to 42 and 43. That is that there is some kind of persecution and separation from God, at least in a temporal sense, and then uh, judgments, persecutions, and difficulties that have fallen upon the people of God. And then we end the psalm with the hope of the psalmist, yet himself another Korahite, who will bring that word of comfort to the people of God as the psalm closes. So there are some similarities. They're not identical, but there's some similarities with what we heard before. All right, so let's dive in to 1 through 8. It's to the chief musician for the sons of Korah, Maskil. Same thing that we heard earlier in Psalm 42. So uh, we have we've discussed that. That word maskil means a wisdom psalm. There is some wisdom to be gleaned from this psalm. Not this one over any others, but simply it is a part of its titling. All right, so in the first section, we hear the duty of those who are in authority, especially parents, but beyond parents as well, to speak of the great things of God in the, that he has done in the past to their children and all under their authority, that the people of God may know that they are a people that, have, that, that are united with them, who are also called the people of God, who in the past were highly favored by God and were uh, delivered by him uh, and were given great precious promises and the fulfillment of those promises. So that's what we see in the first section, that they are to hear that from their parents. We have heard with our ears, O God, what our fathers have told us, that uh, the work that thou didst in their days in the times of old. All right, so we have that. And we have that record in the scripture. Uh, When we hold up the Bible, it is God's word. But it is also, isn't it, the record of our fathers, our inspired fathers, that tell us of the great works of God in history. This ought to be an encouragement for us, right? No matter what kind of days we live in, that we are the Lord's people protected and cared for by him. And let us do our jobs then as those who are in authority to make those promises, those deliverances, those favors known from old time even unto today. All right, uh, so several things are mentioned in specific of that. The Lord drove out the heathen with his hand. The Lord planted his people there. Uh, the Lord afflicted that people and cast them out and replaced them with his people. The Lord did all of that. They didn't do that. And they are to remember that, right? Uh, So notice, they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand, thine arm, the light of thy countenance, because thou hadst 
a favor unto them. Oh, beloved, hear the grace of God in that section of the psalm. If we, if we uh, experience, if we benefit from any victory in this day over sin, over affliction, over the enemy of our souls, over our earthly enemies, remember that it is not our arm, it is not our sword, but it is indeed God who brings such deliverances. You might have the biggest or strongest arm. You might have the longest, heaviest, or sharpest sword. Unless the Lord wields it, it will not be effective, right? Okay, so now we have this confession of the psalmist. Notice, thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. So not only do we depend upon the Lord as our savior, but we depend upon the Lord as our sovereign. Thou art our king. Command deliverances for Jacob. I'm reminded here of that portion in the book of Joshua when those, uh, those folks, the Gibeonites, had lied to Joshua and the men. And, they were, they were, they, and they, when they found out, they said, okay, we made an oath. We won't destroy you, but you're going to be our slaves. You're going to be our hewers of wood and our drawers of water. That's all you'll ever be in Israel. And they said, we'll take that over death any day. Thank you. Right? And then in the very next chapter, they're attacked by the other ten kings in Canaan. Ten tribes come around to them and attack them. And what do they do? They say, O Israel, let me paraphrase, Thou art our king, command deliverances. Right? They came to Joshua and said, Deliver us. They, knew their, their, they understood their place, didn't they? They understood who their king and defender was. Beloved, we must understand that as well. So thou art my king. O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Now, through thee uh, will we push down. Notice now it's not past tense anymore. Now we will continue victorious because we have had victory at thy hand in the past. And so there's a confidence that those past victories will be parlayed into present and future victories and how through the name of god we will push down our enemies through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us again once again a self-reminder a warning um, for i will not trust in my bow neither shall my sword save me once again beloved another very convicting thing if we would let it in right our prowess our strength, our habits, our doctors, our jobs, our mini farms, our chickens, whatever it is. These things don't provide for us. These things don't defend us. God does. <coughs> we are prone to say, my power and my hand hath gotten me this wealth. Deuteronomy chapter 8. God says, it is the Lord that giveth thee power to get wealth. And if wealth, all other things as well. Safety, health, so on. All right, so I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me, but thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hated us. And so then in this final verse of the first section, in God we boast all day long. That's where our boast should be. Okay, so now we come to nine 
through 16, and we have a transition in the psalm. And the transition is we go from remembering the mighty acts of God and the expectation of future help to the present circumstances of affliction. The present circumstances of affliction. And what are that? What, what are those circumstances? The people of God are cast off. They are put to shame. The Lord does not go forth with their armies. In other words, they're being defeated. Um, they have turned their backs to their enemies and ran. Those that hate the people of God have made them a spoil. They've taken them captive. Um, we are given like sheep appointed for meat. We are scattered among the heathen. The Lord has sold his people for nothing. Nothing. Uh, and did not increase thy wealth. We are made a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn, a derision, a laughingstock, if you will, to those that are round about us. We're a byword among the heathen, shaking of the head among the people. So all of that down through verse 14. So it's a very dire condition. Remember, we talked earlier about Second Chronicles and uh, Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram, who took on the northern kingdom worship and brought it south into Jerusalem and the Lord caused the Arabians and the Philistines to be stirred up and they invaded Jerusalem and tore down the wall and tore down several buildings and took a number of people captive. Perhaps this is what we're talking about here. Perhaps it's another time of apostasy and idolatry among the Israel, oh, sorry, among the Judahites such that they would be chastised by the Lord in these severe ways. So then my confusion is continually before me and the shame of my face hath covered me. And finally this section ends for voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and the avenger. And so the Lord has brought his people very low through some temporal afflictions in the center section of Psalm 44. Now we come to the end of, of Psalm 44 beginning in verse 17. All this is come upon us, yet have we not for, forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. You might say, now wait a minute. You kind of have. Why has all this come upon you? If you've been faithful in the covenant, right? Yet what the psalmist is talking about here is that the Lord through these judgments have brought them back. That there is a faithfulness, that they are calling upon the Lord, that they are ready to turn away from those false gods. Notice what it says, verse 20. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. And so here the, the uh, psalmist turns to his brethren and he says, you know, even secret idolatry will be punished by the Lord. We must repent. We must turn away from all of this. And so the, the, the Korahite here becomes a preacher of righteousness to the rest of the nation. And when he says at, at the beginning, we have not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. He may be talking about a faithful contingent in the land. There's still a few grapes left in the cluster. And so he calls upon them for the sake of those few grapes. And he calls upon the rest of the cluster to turn away from the sins that have brought these temporal judgments upon them. 
So our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined in the way. Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death. Well, isn't that true, beloved? Isn't that a true test of true faith? That when the Lord brings temporal judgments for sins, what do the people of God say? You know, the Lord knows the secrets of our heart. And he's brought all of this upon us. But for our part, we will not forget our God. So we have a wonderful commitment here to faithfulness, even in the face of affliction. This is no mercenary faith. This psalmist here is not writing um, and praising God because he gives great benefits. The great benefits that God has given now are his sore chastisements. And he says, we will not turn back. That's the kind of commitment we want, isn't it, beloved? So then, verse 22. For thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. That's reminiscent of both 42 and 43 that we read earlier. And the same kinds of comments apply. We take our case to the Lord. We might ask the Lord why. That's okay. It's all right to ask him that. That can still be a faithful question, can't it? That's right. And it must be asked in faithfulness. All right, so now, wherefore hidest thy face and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly cleaveth unto the earth. And so now we see what the Lord's purpose is. His purpose was to humble them. Well, beloved, humbling is not particularly pleasant when it comes. But I can tell you from the rest of Scripture, in this passage as well, that the Lord does not bring such humility upon His people for nothing. He brings it when it's time, when it's good, when it will do that most good so that we might learn to call upon him and not to trust in our bow nor our arm. Arise for our help is how the soul ends and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Let's stand and call upon the Lord.